Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveal. A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Christ in Culture. This is Steve. And this is Clint. Welcome back to the adventure. So, Clint, what um, what media are you taking in? So, I've been talking about a lot of books recently. I really haven't been watching much for movies and TV shows other than a couple weeks ago we went to Black Panther together, like we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. But I've actually been reading a couple kind of fantasy books. One of them is fantasy and philosophy combined, so it's kind of cool. Uh, The first one is called Thin Blade, Sovereign of the Seven Isles. It's actually really not that good. Mm-hmm. But I downloaded it onto <laughs> my Kindle, so I'm going to read the rest of it anyways. And then the, the fantasy philosophy one is similar to the Toward the Gleam book that I've been talking about for the past mm. couple weeks. So I actually got this one from our friend Chris. Again, he's been giving me all these sweet books to, to borrow. And this one's called Looking for the King by David C. Downing, which Ooh. is really, really good. I've just been cruising through that book. Yeah, I see it uh, sitting right here on the table. Yeah. Yeah, I've been reading a lot, so oh. they're kind of sitting out. But. Cool, 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 cool. What about uh, you? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, it's it's pretty much the same old that I've sort of been intaking. Movie, the few books that I've been trying to work through, but I'm very, very slow because I don't always dedicate time to it. Honestly, one of the things I've been thinking about is checking out Audible. Oh, yeah? Just because... Because you're always going somewhere. Yeah, because I can so, like listen to it. Because yeah. I really enjoy listening to, um, like, I listen to a lot of Catholic Lighthouse CDs when I'm traveling, and, and stuff. So I think that Audible would end up probably being right up my alley. For those of you who know Steve, you know that he's basically always going somewhere, doing something, doing something. Sometimes he's trying to do three things at once, so he's kind of always on the run, going somewhere. So I think that would be something good for you. Yeah, it's easier than having a book while you're driving. That's which not is, safe. Don't which do are things that. I do sometimes. I mean, I don't read while I'm driving, <laughs> but I sometimes take books with me to places that I don't read them. Exactly. I got books in the trunk of my car, actually. It's a fun fact. Okay. Yeah. Like, I had um, I had uh, several copies of Dark Knight of the Soul just yeah. chilling in my car, and I gave them out to people. <laughs> Remember that time you borrowed, was it Seeds of the Word for this podcast? That was, like, last summer. And... Uh, took you like four or five months to get through it or something like that. Yeah, and I only got through like probably a half of it <laughs> before you were like, give me back the book. Yeah. Because you wanted to read it before starting this podcast. Did you ever end up reading it? Uh, I read part of it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not one of those books that you necessarily read all of it because it's a collection of essays. Right. And so it kind of gave general ideas for things, which was good. Yeah, so that's a cool one to check out too. We haven't talked about that one for a while. So Seeds of the Word by Bishop Robert Barron. A lot of the stuff he talks about there is basically in line with what we're trying to do here in the podcast too right. so and if you want to learn more about that check out our first episode i think it was origin story 
Mm-hmm. So you guys can check that out too if you want to hear more about that book. So we're like podcast superheroes. We have origin stories. Yes, we are podcast superheroes. Uh, just kidding. We're barely even competent podcasters. <laughs> cool. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so kind of moving into our topic for the week. Before we get started, I want to give a major warning. This episode's content, media content, is definitely not for children. All right. Yeah, we are going to actually be talking about a lot of tough themes and even some controversial themes. Yeah, and there's uh, definitely in the... So we're doing a song today, not a movie or a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be a song, and there are some inappropriate words used in that song, too. Yeah. So and then some of the use theme, discretion. Yeah, and some of the themes are maybe not something you'd want your your child to be in taking at a young age. Yeah. So just oh. use discretion. You've been warned. Uh, if you want to check it out before you go past this, the song is called The River by Eminem and Ed Sheeran. Yeah. So It's actually a pretty good song. Yeah, it's really good. And actually, so my favorite musician is Ed Sheeran. So when I heard this this collaboration with Eminem, so I, it came on and I was listening onto the radio as I was driving. And I'm like, Ed Sheeran has a new song? Because it starts with a chorus, which is Ed Sheeran. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no way. I would know if Ed Sheeran had a new song. What's going on? And so I waited, and then it gets to the verse, and it's Eminem. And I'm like, what? Ed Sheeran and Eminem? This is like... Because, I mean, a lot of people give Eminem a bad rap, but lyrically, Eminem is like the king of, of lyrics and puns and, and just these similes in his, yeah. his lyrics. So Musically, I... I always appreciate good lyricists. Yeah, um, for sure. Because I think that there's a challenge to writing good music and making it catchy and stuff. But when you can really put a lot of depth in the meaning of the words and mm-hmm. like really write, and I think that that's a little bit extra talent that sort of sets you apart yeah. from some of just the, the, the catchy tunes and you know nice beats that make things popular yeah, sometimes. Yeah, and, and I think rap nowadays is becoming more of like weird sounds. I think of like the song... Uh, man's not hot so if you're looking for like <laughs> it's like a parody song oh. check it out on youtube it's pretty funny Big shack <laughs> yeah it's called man's not hot so it's basically all just weird sounds yeah and honestly um the best part about that song is watching the music video because the dude oh. just walks around in like the beach with like a really thick yeah he, winter jacket he's, he's in miami wearing this thick jacket and the whole premise of the song is like his girlfriend's trying to tell him to take off his jacket because he's in the middle of Miami in the summer, and, and he's like, no, he's like, nah, man's man not, not hot. hot. <laughs> man, man's can never be hot. Right. Um, and so actually, at least one of my favorite memes a few months ago, which was, uh, it was like, break news, NASA to send Big Shaq to Sun to see if truly, quote, man can never be hot. <laughs> I never saw that. That's yeah, funny. it's really funny. Yeah. So if you're looking for something to make you giggle a little bit, that's a, that's a funny video. But yeah, moving back to our song. So when I first heard this and started listening to the lyrics, I was hooked right away. And the more I kind of dug into the lyrics, the more I was interested. And I kind of want to walk through the song a little bit with you. I'm not going to go word by word, but I want to break it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. So like I said, the song starts off with the chorus, which is sung by Ed Sheeran. And the words to that go something like this. I've been a liar, been a thief, been a lover, been a cheat. All my sins need holy water. Feel it washing over me. Well, little one, I don't want to admit to something if all it's going to cause is pain. Truth in my lives right now are falling like the rain. So let the river run. 
This course is essentially a confession. He's confessing to being a liar, a thief, a cheater. And he says that he needs healing for his sins as he feels the water rush, like literally washing over him. And biblically, we see water all the time. We see it in Moses parting the Red Sea, liberating the Israelites from slavery to freedom. In this story, it foreshadows our own baptism where we are liberated from our own sin and brought into freedom within our relationship with God. And then throughout scripture, we see water bringing both death in Noah's Ark, and it destroys everything that's not on the Ark, basically, in the flood. In the parting of the Red Sea itself, we see the Egyptians who are crushed by the waves as they come back together. And we also see life in the living water and the well of life, which is promised through Christ himself. And in the same way, the water of our baptism has brought death to our former selves in our old way of life and also new life born into the church and the body of Christ. Yeah, and I mean, just that whole idea, as you mentioned, of water in scripture, um, especially this living water, because I I actually really love that imagery of the living water throughout scripture Mm -hmm. because the Jewish people, they viewed it as like a river or something like actual flowing water, this, this living water. And so it always has this idea of like washing away our sins, um, which we see in baptism. And I think what's really awesome is uh, John the Baptist was like baptizing people in the water. And then when he baptized Jesus, Jesus baptized the water with the Holy spirit, Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. Um, and that's kind of what we get. But also, we see the same allusion to the water with the water that flows from his side, right? And that's right. like this. So all of this illusion of living water ends up fully pointing toward Christ as the water that flows forth from his wounds on the cross, or the wounds, or the wa- is the water that finally cleanses. That reminded me of like a, a Chuck Norris joke, you know. The, oh yeah. The water doesn't baptize Jesus. Jesus baptizes the water. It's like Chuck Norris isn't afraid of death. Death is afraid of Chuck Norris. Right. <laughs> and yeah, it's it sounds cheesy, but it's it's, but it's no true. less theologically incorrect. Right. It's, like, it's just something funny that I thought yeah, of. Yeah, so. it's it's true statement, but yeah, and, I mean there's just so many cool stories of the water like the yeah. water jugs at the wedding of Cana yeah. and and how those were ritual cleansing waters and he turns it into wine which is his blood and the blood of the new covenant it's just a lot of illusions we see it all over we see it in revelation uh you name it it's it's there somewhere and water something that when we discussed this a little bit in a previous episode with the hurricane but water something that gives life and Mm -hmm. but anyway i digress yeah no so back to the song he doesn't want to say what he has done because he's afraid of the pain that it will cause those that he has hurt but even though his mouth is, is telling lies His eyes are forming a river of tears that are falling like rain. And in this line, I understand him to feel just completely broken and defeated. A place where I know that I have been, and I think most of us probably have. And in being there, the river symbolizes his tears. But it also symbolizes the truth bursting forth from him like a river. When it says, let the river run, it reminds me of a river that had been blocked by a dam similar to how we keep our sins and our secrets inside and we're afraid to let them go in him saying let the river run i think he is saying that he wants the dam this this wall that he has built up to come down so that the water and also the truth behind all of his lies and his sins can finally come flooding down 
So a Christian band that I always really like is 10th Avenue North, and they have this song, uh, Break Me Down. And it's like this thing where, you know, you're, you're sort of asking, and this is sort of the Paschal mystery, right, to, mm-hmm. to sort of let that dam be broken down, to let the river of mercy sort of flow over us, to let these walls we build up be broken so that we can be sort of rebuilt. Mm-hmm. I remember a, a wise theology professor one time, we, was ta- we were talking about worship and mass, right? And he's talking about the, diff- you know, there's, there's two sides, like we want people to participate, and so on one level, there's like an amusement park on one side and a boot camp on the other, right? And so like we want the amusement park is exciting and people go and they're like, wow, I really enjoyed this and they want to go back. And like boot camp, it sucks and nobody wants to go. But like at the end of the day, when you go to the amusement park and you come back, you're no different a person. You just had a good time. You were entertained. But at boot camp, you go and you are broken down and built back up into something better, something newer, something bigger than yourself. And so church and, like, mass, it's it's this thing that is attempting to try to, yeah, one, lead us to want to participate, right, which is why we have song and all these things, but also break us down and build us back up. Ironically, that reminds me of the first Ed Sheeran song that I kind of fell in love with, mm-hmm. like Lego House, mm. because that was actually the mentality that I had behind that song was that, it's when we are most broken that Christ can take those pieces and mm-hmm. put us back together to make something even more beautiful. So there's the movie, The Blind Side. Mm-hmm. And so actually I, I watched a talk of the character that movie's based on his life. Sure. And so uh, this football player, he's talking to this group of people. He's talking to them and he's talking about like facing struggles. Yeah. And he says like, you know, you always hear this idea of, you know, like God lets you hit rock bottom, like these things, right? Like I saw the same talk, actually. Yeah, and he says that sometimes we forget that sometimes rock bottom is a solid foundation on which to build on. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I definitely saw that same one. It's actually a really good talk. I don't mm-hmm. know where you would find it. Just go YouTube, search it or something. But yeah. it's really good if you guys want to check that out. But so going back to our song, When we get to the first verse, Eminem comes in and he gives us his own confession in a way. And whether the story is true of his life or it's not, it's it's really not important. But again, it has this powerful message for us. And the verse starts out with a man coming home, scratch marks on his neck, mismatched clothes and the smell of alcohol in his breath, admitting that he is a, a sex addict and that had he had just had an affair. So he comes home and the man's girlfriend or wife it's not really clear checks the man's online chats and finds out that he's been cheating and so she seeks revenge by having an affair herself with Eminem and he admits that he shouldn't have let it happen and should have cut it off before we get back to the chorus and Ed reminds us of our need for confession and healing right there's this idea that some, like the whole two wrongs don't make a right and sometimes like we're sometimes so hurt that we make bad decisions right and we try to justify it and And, um, we have to sometimes be prudent even in those those heartbroken moments Mm -hmm. and so moving into the next verse the man finds out that she cheated and leaves him and eminem can't make himself call it off with her in person so he does it through the song referencing how he was always too afraid to tell the truth to his wife and confront their struggles by hiding in the studio or at a, a diner which eventually led to their separation. And then he goes on to say that he doesn't like the person that he's becoming. 
because of this unhealthy relationship. And he realized that he is just using her. But now that he has her and her boyfriend or husband, whatever, left her, he doesn't really care anymore. He admits that he was just pursuing her for the pursuit, for the the game of it. And he admits that what he is doing is like dirt. And he doesn't know why he does it. And realizing it and trying to clean it up is like having bleach to a wound. And that kind of reminds me that healing is painful. When we mess up, when we do something that hurts people, it's not going to feel good at first to try and repair those relationships. But that doesn't mean that we just avoid those relationships. That means even more so we have to repair them. You know, I think of when we get injured. If you, I don't know, my brother dislocated his arm when we were little. What happens when you dislocate your arm? Well, you got to set it back in. That split second of setting your arm back in is painful. Mm-hmm. But after it's back in, it's so much better. Or I think of when you get an injury or something, I don't know, a knife or something. Once you're in a setting where you can repair that, I'm not saying like pull out the knife, <laughs> but eventually the knife has to come out, you know, and that's not going to feel good right. or a bullet, whatever, whatever your injury is. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what your weekends are like, man. You need to talk. Yeah. Dude, I live in League City, Texas. It's like... <laughs> We live in suburbs. We're, we're totally safe. But I'm just trying to make the comparison here. So yeah. wh- when these things happen, you have to take it out. And then maybe a better comparison. When you're little and you got like a scrape or something mm-hmm. and your mom put the cleaning alcohol or whatever on it and it starts to burn and fizzle, that burn sucks. <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah. But it's something that's important for us to heal. You know, a right. lot of the times healing is it's just painful. But for us to heal properly, we have to go through that. Right. And, and we sometimes forget that healing is a process. You know, yeah. it's not like an immediate Like We don't go to the doctor with a broken arm and he like, you know, magically fixes it and we're no longer with a broken arm. Like he puts it in a brace and in a cast and then we slowly heal. In the same way, it's sort of how healing from sin works in our faith. I read a book, uh, The Name of God is Mercy. Uh, which mm-hmm. is like an interview with with Pope Francis, and he's talking about this idea of how you know when we go to confession, and it's sort of like cleaning out the wound, right? Like we've cleaned out the wound and we've sort of dressed it, and uh, we're going to allow it to heal. But if you just did that, and you're not returning to the divine doctor, like you're not going back to your doctor, it could get infected, and it still hurts in these things, and so. When we go to confession, like we're healed of our sin, right? We're like our sin has been wiped clean, we're wiped away, but like we still have the effects of that sin. We're not like allowing the grace of confession to lead us to prayer, to consulting with our divine doctor, then that wound can just fester and then boil over again. Right. Yeah, I think if there is a way for us to heal instantly and just have the doctor take care of it in a matter of seconds, the American athletes would have had that figured out decades ago. So right. Yeah. yeah. We only only in Wakanda. Now. Check out our only podcast from from last week. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But so at the end of the verse, Eminem finds out that the woman that he had been having an affair with is pregnant with his child and he tells her that they can't raise a child together. And so in the the next verse, we learn that he convinced her to have an abortion. And he describes the situation by saying if life was a highway, I'd be swerving in five lanes, speeds at a high rate, like I'm sliding on ice, maybe. We see that the pain that comes from the abortion 
is actually more damaging and throws his life out of control than trying to raise a child probably would have been. He even admits at the end of the verse that he didn't even want to abort, but ends by saying, what is one more lie? Yeah, and I think this is something that we we often face, uh, especially today as a society, is this lie. So what you see with Eminem throughout the song is that he's he's constantly lying to himself and he's lying to others through his like sort of affairs, through his dehumanizing of the women, of dehumanizing himself, mm-hmm. you know, not holding himself to a standard. That really for him, like, what's one more lie? Like, he clearly recognizes because he even says, "What's one more lie for like an unborn child?" Yeah. He clearly recognizes that it's a human life, but he he says this lie that well I can't take care of it and it's not a human, right? So like even though he knows it is, he feeds this lie to make it easier. I was listening to a talk one once and part of it was you know he was talking about back in the day they would sacrifice to these gods of the harvest, right? They might like you know sacrifice their firstborn child to a god of the harvest so that the whole community would have a good harvest that year and you know we see that see that as such a barbaric practice but yet we sort of sacrifice children to the gods of convenience in modern day right gomer uh, at encounter a few years ago kind of talked about the same thing that you know we talk about all these pagan gods that people used to worship but People still sort of worship them today just without the names and the stories, right? People didn't necessarily worship Aphrodite. They worshipped beauty. They worshipped money. They worshipped power. And so when we're putting our, our worship and things into different things, into things that aren't God, it sort of disorients ourselves, and we can kind of create lies for these things. And so when it comes to abortion, one of the main sort of lies I always hear, and I think there's another sort of lie going on here is, you know, well, we can't take care of it, so it'd be better for the child if it weren't born. But you could have easily had the child and put it up for adoption, right? Mm-hmm. You could have easily, like, it's not the child's fault that it was not conceived in a proper way. And I think that one of the lies, and I've heard this so many times from people, and actually, I used to subscribe to this before I sort of came into my faith, was, well, I don't think abortion's right. Like, I think it's a child and it's wrong to kill it, but I don't think it's the government's job to Mm -hmm. regulate that. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful that somebody challenged me on that in college. And they were like, well, if it's human life, right, how could you argue that it's not the government's job? Well, you know, like to tell people what to do. Well, recently, and not to to make light of the situation, but there was recently that shooting in Florida. Right. Nobody's sitting there saying, oh, well, you know, it's not our job to tell that guy that he did wrong. That would would be insane. Right. But... But Outrage. The, right, but the moment we don't have to stare that child in the face, it becomes okay. Right. Right, and it's this lie that we sort of feed ourselves that this isn't a human life when all science points to it being a completely indis- like a completely distinct human life. Mm-hmm. At the moment of fertilization, it has its own genetic code and all of the building blocks to be a human. Yeah, absolutely. So to kind of fill in the blanks there, if you're not familiar with who Gomer is, Mm. um, but you know who we are, first of all, that's awesome, because (laughs) uh, Gomer is a nationally known Catholic speaker. He has his own podcast. He has like over a million people. Yeah, over a million subscribers, I think, something like that. And it's the number one Catholic podcast with adult language, I think, is is, is how they they advertise it. it, yeah. Yeah, so it's called Catching Foxes. Check them out. Uh, actually, Gomer was just at my parish talking with my teens mm. 
this past weekend. Not with explicit content. Not with explicit content. It, he was, he's very, very good speaker, so yeah. feel free to check them out, too. They're from here in Houston as well. So. Yeah, and, and uh, they actually run their podcast in a really unique way, so their whole thing is discussion over explicitly like teaching mm-hmm. new things. They're like When they talk and they're going over these topics, it's them actually having a discussion with each other over the topic instead of just telling you like you're in a lecture. Yeah. Which is kind of an interesting way to do it, which is pretty cool. Right. Well, I hope we're not lecturing too much. But No, I, I think we have pretty decent discussions. At least I hope so. But yeah, so kind of going back to our idea, I, I think that we do this kind of stuff all the time. We make excuses saying, well, we have already done it once, or at least we're not doing X, fill in the blank here with whatever sin you want. At least we're not doing that. Or maybe we say, it's not as bad as the time that I did Y, fill in the blank. But none of the things make what we did justified or okay. None of these excuses justify a certain action. In this case, the the affair or the, the abortion. Now, I'm not trying to make anyone feel awful or accuse anyone of anything. As Christians, we are to hate the sin and not the sinner. And I was at a seminar a couple weeks ago, and the priest who was speaking said something that I thought was really true and that I think I needed to be reminded of. He said... That a lot of the time, like nowadays, when we say that hate the sin and love the sinner, what we actually do is say something like, oh, I love Bob, but I hate that he is sleeping around. Rather than what we should be saying, which is, I love Bob in spite of the fact that he is sleeping around. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a distinction to be made there. One is recognizing that Bob has this deficiency. And the other is recognizing Bob is just at a point of weakness where he's giving into this corruption of the sin. The sin is the evil thing, not Bob. Right. It kind of reminds me, so Venerable Fulton Sheen has a quote, and then I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but he talks about tolerance and intolerance. And he's talking about tolerance is for the person, and we're not necessarily to be tolerant of like falsehoods or wrong ideas, right? That's where like we could be intolerant of something. But the idea is to be tolerant of that person, to remember that, we're all sinners, that we all struggle with some form of sin, and that we're not perfect, and we're all in need of God's mercy. And so part of it is is seeing that bit of need of mercy in that other person and loving them through it, right? To say, look, I'm a sinner, and I know that these aspects of my life, I've needed God's mercy. And so like, you extend that mercy to that other person and try to bring them into it so that they can receive that healing. Not because you're you know, judging of them or like, oh, you're going to hell if you don't do this. But because, look, I know what it's like to struggle with sin. Yeah. And this is how we approach that. This is how we heal from that. Exactly. Yeah. So we are to love people no matter what, just as mm-hmm. Christ loves us no matter what. And we even say that in the Our Father, you know, mm-hmm. forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Right. And, and so it actually kind of reminds me, again, in that same book with Pope Francis, I was talking about they have these confessors. Well, somebody asks him, what advice do you give to confessors to these priests? And he says, I remind them to keep in mind all of the times that they were in need of God's mercy and God had forgiven them. Because once you remember that, it becomes much more easy to forgive others. And so I think as Christians, sometimes we need to remember that we are flawed and like where we need healing. Because we don't give mercy to others. Like we're not called to forgive others because, oh, well we're so magnanimous that we're just going to give mercy to them or, oh, like this person, even though they've hurt us, like we're like the reason we do that 
is because God has given us mercy, and so we're called to give that mercy to others. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to give a little bit of a history lesson because I'm an, a biblical nerd a little bit. Okay, but it goes back to every seven years, the Jewish. So it goes back to in ancient times, every seven years, they would sort of go through and have uh, this year of forgiveness when they would, you know, wipe away these debts and things like that. And then every 50 years is when, you know, you would get, like, if you were, if you lost your land, um, your land would be restored to you. If you were a slave, you would be freed from slavery. And if you, so you have all of these things happening. Now, the reason that they did that, which I think is really interesting, is they would restore your land because God had restored the land to the Israelites. And so they were extending the mercy that God had given them to others. God freed them from slavery. So they freed others from slavery because God had given that to them. So they were going to share it with others, right? It's this whole illusion of what God gives to us freely, we give to others freely. And so why are we called to forgive even our enemies? Because God forgives us even in our sin. So we forgive others even in theirs. So that's the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee, yeah, that's so right. We're blanking on it, but the year of Jubilee. I know. All my theology degree <laughs> failed me. Right, but I, I think it's really important that the song doesn't just end here at the, the end of that verse. You know, that's our third verse there. But the chorus comes in one last time. And Ed Sheeran reminds us once again of the healing power of confession. Now, I've heard a lot of arguments against going to confession. People are afraid of sharing with someone. Priest can't do anything. Only God can forgive sins. I don't need to go to the priest. I go directly to God, etc., etc., etc. First of all, for afraid, being afraid of sharing with someone, it's natural to be afraid to talk about our sins. Because of original sh- sin, shame entered the world, and it's natural for us to be ashamed of what we have done. Fortunately, all priests are required to never speak of what is said in confession by what is called the seal of confession. If a priest ever breaks that seal, they are actually excommunicated from the church. Or maybe you're afraid because you think the priest will judge you. First of all, I'm pretty sure most priests have heard just about anything you can imagine, so they won't be surprised when you say whatever your sins are. Right. And as I mentioned before with the whole Pope Francis thing, Priests are people, and so they struggle right. with their own sin, Yeah, um, just like we all struggle with sin. And so they're never going to judge you for your sin because you're not defined by your sin. You're defined by God's love for you. And so you're not coming there confessing your sins because you are that sinner that committed that sin. You're coming there because you are a child of God, and you're seeking forgiveness. And once he absolves you, you're not def- you don't have that sin. You're not defined by that sin. Now mm-hmm. you are a restored son or daughter of God, right? right? And that's, like, I've never, I've met priests, so to give you a little bit of my own story, so I made my first confession when I was, what, like, eight or whatever, when you normally make one. Yes, somewhere uh, down there. And I didn't go again until I was 19. So I didn't go to confession for 11 years. It was not something that was brought up in my house. It wasn't until I really got into my faith in college mm-hmm. um, that I started going back to confession or even going to confession or considering it a thing. And so I had all these years. I was so afraid to go to confession. And I kept pushing up, but I, I knew. And actually, the funny thing is I went to confession like the day before the Mayan calendar was supposed to end because I was like, man, if the uh. world ends, <laughs> better be right with God, which was <laughs> such a terrible reason to go. December but 21st, 2012. Yeah, but I went. 
And the priest was like, why are you here? And I was like, I want to get right with God, which was not a lie. <laughs> but I didn't want to tell him. It's because the calendar's ending and the world might explode or whatever. Um, and so I went, and he greeted me with like a, you know, like a welcome home. Mm. He wasn't judgmental. He wasn't like, oh, my gosh. Because I literally like researched online of every sin I had. And I had a sheet of paper with like three rows of sins, front and back, of like every sin that I had possibly mm-hmm. committed in the past 11 years, which mm-hmm. was like everything and i went in and i like listed this all to him and he was like that was a very good he was like that was a good confession and he was like um and i just want to let you know like we're glad that you're back and that god loves you infinitely and like there was no judgment there was no like no priest mean and like he was like super awesome yeah and you know no priest is going to be because like if you haven't been in forever there's nothing to lose and you know you have to remember that sacraments are these physical signs that god and christ has left us right have left us right i think what's really interesting is even like protestant circles are realizing in psychology is realizing the importance of confessing your sins to other people mm-hmm. and it's becoming a big thing in like a lot of non-denominational churches and in psychology to confess these things because it helps us heal from them right christ knew that two thousand years ago that's why he instituted confession right yeah i mean among he, other he, things but yeah that's yeah the, and, and we he, need it yeah and he wanted us to not never wonder if we were forgiven Right, but to, but to actually hear him speaking through the priest, you are absolved of your sins. Mm-hmm. And actually, I love this quote. It's from that same book with Pope Francis. Sure. That if we cannot confess to another human being who is flawed like us, then how could we ever confess to mm-hmm. a God mm-hmm. who is without sin and so unlike us in that way? Right. So at best, we are confessing to ourselves in the mirror. Right. Which I think is a very scathing, but like really true statement yeah and i think as i kind of look back at my own experience in confession too i think i can't think of a single time where i've gone to confession and i felt as if the priest was accusing uh or unloving and i i know that there are times when that happens and if that's happened to you then on behalf of the church i'm sorry i apologize for that and that is not that is not how we want to portray our, our mercy and forgiveness which the priest is trying to represent through Christ. But for myself, I've never experienced anything but love in the confessional. And in fact, most times I come out of the confessional thinking he should have punished me more. Mm-hmm. Like I, I deserve so much worse than this, you know, because that was kind of my mentality for a long time that I deserve something awful. Like yeah. my penance should be something terrible walking to jerusalem on your hands and knees right yeah (laughs) but that's not the point of the penance and and that's not the point of this podcast either but i think that's something that's really important to remember yeah but also i've spoken to a lot of priest friends Uh, i went to college connected to a seminary and and just have a bunch of friends that are priests that i've met throughout past several years and we've talked about this and none of them have ever remembered the sins afterwards you know priests hear literally thousands of confessions and chances are they're not going to remember yours. Some priests even take a period after the confession is over where they just pray and they ask God to help them clear their mind. So even if they are tempted to try and remember that God take that away and just wash it away, mm-hmm. just like he washed away the sin itself. And, and to be honest with you, one of the beautiful things about confession that I don't think we always realize is you know, we get these, like, light penances of saying three Our Fathers and five Hail Marys. But uh, 
you know, the priests actually, like, they fast and stuff on behalf of what they've heard. Like, they take on a penance on behalf of the people, right? They they take that role of, as a priest very seriously of right. being that mediator between God and his people. Yeah. And moving on, so in response to saying that the priest can't do anything, only God can, well, in a way, you're partially correct, but the priest is acting what we call in persona Christi, which means that they're allowing themselves to be used by God as a tool for forgiving our sins. It means that we aren't just confessing to the priest, we're confessing to Jesus himself, who is acting through the priest. Not to mention, Jesus himself gave the apostles, and thus the bishops and priests who followed, the ability to forgive sins. And if you want to check that out, you can look in scripture itself, Mark chapter 2, Luke chapter 5, you can look that up. Jesus gave them the ability to do that, and that's passed down from Scripture all the way down to the priests that we have today. So right. that is scriptural. Laying on of hands. Yeah. And, and then as far as confessing directly to God, that's great. As Catholics, we confess to God all the time. We do that both at Mass, when we openly and publicly confess our sins uh, every time we're there. We, we do that in front of our whole community at the church. And every time we say the Our Father, too, like we mentioned before, but Jesus gave the apostles the ability to forgive sins for a reason. And he created the sacrament assuring us that our sins will be forgiven when we do it in, in this manner. Right. And the whole idea of like penance and stuff isn't because we're putting unnecessary work on people, right? Like we're not trying to do that. It's this idea that, okay, so real hypothetical, say, uh, you know, we were in a relationship with a girl and we, you know, cheated on them right? Like in this sort of scenario, if we did that and then we were like, oh, hey, I'm sorry. And then we just went and did it again. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. And we went and did it again. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. Or like, we don't even apologize. You know, are we really that sorry, right? Like when we're actually sorry for something, we try to make it up to the person. We're like, hey, I'm really sorry. Like, you know, you bumped into someone. You're like, oh, you made them drop their stuff. Oh, let me help you pick that up. Like you do something to, to try to reconcile, Mm-hmm. right to to make that effort to right. to truly repent and the prayers that we get in penance are less about do these things or god won't forgive you it's more about god has forgiven you and you're thanking him you're trying to reconcile that relationship with him through prayer right and you're trying to do something so you can kind of mitigate that so it doesn't happen again mm-hmm. too and as humans we are communal people we're created for community and, and that is kind of seen in that we are created in God's image and likeness. God is the Trinity, which is a community in and of itself. And we are to represent that. And that's why we are created for community. But our sins don't just hurt ourselves. Every sin hurts, yes, ourselves, but also hurts our relationship with God and our relationship with others. So in reconciliation, the priest is acting in persona Christi and is also the representative of the parish community. So we become reconciled with God and with the community. And then through our penance, we are able to be reconciled, like we said, hopefully with ourselves, mitigating that and, and building our own relationship with ourselves as well. And we can't just hold everything inside. Steve, you talked about this a little bit before, but even psychology recognizes that we need to be open and honest. And that's why we have psychologists. That's why from a young age, we are encouraged to share how we feel and not hold it in because it's not healthy. I think guys 
especially kind of struggle with that, especially nowadays we're taught to kind of just keep it in sometimes as we get older. But the same thing is true for our sins. It's not healthy to keep it all in because we desire to be reconciled, to be forgiven, to receive mercy. And I want to go back to that chorus one more time. I've been a liar, been a thief, been a lover, been a cheat. All my sins need holy water. Feel it washing over me. Well, little one, I don't want to admit to something if all it's going to cause is pain. The truth in my lies right now are falling like the rain. So let the river run. I encourage you to let the healing waters of Christ's mercy wash over you. Seek his forgiveness and the forgiveness that you have hurt within the community. And just like it says in the song, let the river run. Be open with yourself. Be open with the things that you've done. Seek forgiveness where forgiveness needs to be sought. And forgive others where you can. That is what we are called to do as Christians. And so my challenge for you this week is to go to confession. Lent is a perfect time to recognize our sin and confess that so we can be washed clean in preparation of our Lord coming at Easter. If you haven't gone in a while or you feel as though you are unworthy, that is even more of a reason that you should go. Because like we have talked about in previous weeks with the topic of identity, the longer we choose sin over Christ, the more we drift away from him and allow the lies of the devil to make us believe in that false identity that we have been talking about. Mm-hmm. The truth is you are a son or daughter of God and he created the sacrament of reconciliation for you. He died on the cross for you. So take advantage of that gift and go to confession. Let his love and mercy flow over you like the river in the song. And with that... Closing shout-outs. We'll do some shout-outs. Uh, do you have any? I don't think so, for once. Yeah. Do we not have any shout-outs? we got to have a shout-out. Okay, I'm going to shout-out my mom because she listens to my podcast. Oh, I want to give a shout-out to actually all of our priests. Yeah. You know, who, who help act in Persona Christi for us. especially uh, you talked about Father Clint last week. Father Clint's an awesome priest. Yeah, I was going to give him a shout out um, just for giving me that book. And I told him about our podcast. I'm not sure if he's listening. Yeah, I talked to him about it too. And then we have the priest at my parish, Father Howard. Mm, He's an amazing priest. I'm very, very fortunate to be able to work with him and for him. But Uh, really just want to give a shout out to all of our priests, all of our bishops. Yeah, Father Wenzel at St. Paul. He's great. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So... Shout out to all the priests. We thank thank you guys so much for all that you do. And, and thanks for saying yes to God's call. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's an amazing vocation. And while we're giving shout outs to our moms, I'm gonna shout out to my mom too. She also listens, but mm. she helped me with my taxes today. Which oh. was great and super exciting. I have to do that. Yeah. Because I'm running out of time. Yeah. Adulting, you know, some part of adulting is just annoying and hard. But when it comes to taxes, that's something you just go to your mom for, you know. Because... TurboTax is pretty easy. Oh, really? That's what I've done. It's just um, so frustrating. They don't they don't teach you how to do taxes. So if you know how to do taxes, come help a brother out because right. I don't want to go to my mom when I'm 30 and 40 and 50. So help me figure it out because taxing is hard. Well, <laughs> yeah, for right now I'm using that. And my parents, they use like an actual tax person because they've got... They've got, like, investments and things that yeah, I don't well, really have. With that, you got any other shout-outs? 
No, I don't. I don't think I have any more. Cool. Thank you guys so much for for joining the adventure again. One more week. Please, 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 please reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, email, texts, in person. Don't follow us around. It's weird. But other than that, just just go ahead and give us reach out to us. Let us know what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're listening to. If there's something you want us to cover, we want to hear from you guys. We want feedback. Um, tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Be nice about it. We're fragile. I just realized that I almost forgot to reveal the answer from the trivia question two weeks ago. Yes. So I promised to do that. So Tolkien's full name is John Ronald Ruel Tolkien. If you want to look it up, it's a really weird spelling, but that's his name. J.R.R. Tolkien. Check it out. Thank you for everyone who got the answers. Do you in. want to do you want to do something else like a another trivia? C.S. Lewis's name or okay, well, uh, G.K. Chesterton's name. We'll do we'll do some trivia in in the future, but okay. I just think it's kind of a fun little yeah. thing to add. So we'll be doing some trivia in the future. Speaking keep of keep mom, looking up for that. Just calling me. So, all right, thank you guys and have a great week. We'll catch you next Saturday. Thanks for joining on the adventure. <laughs>